everyone what they wanted to hear on the Special Education Inner Circle podcast and dyslexia came up over and over and over again. So I have brought my friend and fellow master IEP coach Meredith into the Special Education Inner Circle podcast to tell you her story about dyslexia and uh, her whole role in this IEP process. I'll be honest with all of you, I don't know exactly the story she's gonna tell. I wanted to learn along the side of you. So Meredith, thank you for being here today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. So tell us, how did you end up at an IEP table? Okay, so I am a special education teacher. I've been doing this for almost over about 20 years. So that's my role. Um, I got started because I was, I knew I wanted to be a teacher from a very young age. And then I started having students with lots of issues and problems in my classroom, lots of different special needs students in there. And I wanted to learn how to help them more. So I went back to college, got my master's in special education. So that way I could learn how to help them better. So that is my role at the IEP table as a special education teacher. I love that. And you have a personal connection to special education and dyslexia. So jump right in and start telling us uh, your story. I certainly will. So growing up, I struggled in school. Um, I had a lot of problems. Um, kindergarten, it was okay. First grade is where we, my parents started to really see where I was struggling. I have a twin sister, so an identical twin sister. So she was just fine in school and I wasn't doing so fine. And so my parents were concerned. Obviously I was, went on to second grade. They thought about repeating me, but they didn't mainly because I am a twin. And that was kind of difficult when you send one on, that's just a whole nother conversation. But um, I still didn't learn how to read until the very end of second grade, and it really wasn't well. And so my mom was like, okay, well, I think we need some help. And she went into the, you know, the school and the principals and said, what can we do? And they said, well, well we can't, you know, test her or she can't qualify for special education unless she's failing. Well, my mom's like, well, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let her fail. And that was, you know, 1985. That was a long time ago when that's really kind of what it was back then, special education. Thank goodness it's all changed now. And so that's what happened. Um, my mom was like, absolutely not. But they did get me tested, privately tested. And that's when they found out that I had dyslexia. Well, my mom actually has dyslexia too. And my grandfather. So actually dyslexia is very common that it runs in families. Could be mild all the way to um, severe cases of dyslexia. So I don't write know that. I, 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 and, and I'll totally admit to our listeners here, like this is not my area of expertise. You know, in the Master IP Coach Mentorship, when I'm teaching Master IP Coaches, I always say you don't have to know everything, but you have to know what you don't know, and you have to know where to, you know, go find the experts. So I know about dyslexia. I know enough to know what I don't know and when to go find the expert like yourself who can help kind of find those gaps of what do we need to be asking? What do we need to be looking for? Because you don't have just a standard dyslexia, kind of what we think of when maybe, uh, you know, we're we're hearing about dyslexia. Can you share with uh, us a little bit about that? So most of the time people, when you hear dyslexia, you think, oh, they write numbers backwards or words backwards, or they read entire sentences backwards. Well, that is true in some cases, but other cases, there's different types of dyslexia. There's different levels of it. So I have um, a certain type of dyslexia, which is called cross dominance or even mixed dominance. 
it's where most people are one side brain dominant than the other. So your right brain or your left brain and people, you know, have heard that concept. Well, mine, I don't have a dominant side of my brain. Okay. So one side of my brain isn't dominant, which causes the brain to be very disorganized. So it's, it's mi mixing the signals back and forth. And that's what happens with cross dominance or mixed dominance. So instead of seeing a complete word backwards, I only cross two letters backwards. So if I went to write the word bear, I know how to spell the word bear, B-E-A-R. But when I go to write it, there's a, a disconnect from my brain to my penmanship to where I will write B-A-E-R. And I thought I, I thought I've written it right. I thought I spelled it correctly. But when you go back and you read it, you see, uh oh, you swap those two letters. I do that with letters. I do that with numbers. Um, I do that all across, you know, anything that I'm writing. So one of the things that I've definitely had to do is to learn how to accommodate that and always recheck my work, always go back and look at things. So um, that way you don't make mistakes or errors or things like that. And that's just a skill that anybody that has a learning disability has to figure out what is your coping mechanism. And that's definitely rereading going back and checking my work for sure. I love that, it, it, that you, you know, pinpointed exactly what did you need to do to support yourself? Because when I think about dyslexia, um, I think of it as almost like this, um, it, it's like a foreign word out there. Like we all know what it is, but nobody knows like what to do about it in, in a way of like, what do we do next? Or we hear a lot of schools that say like, well, we don't treat dyslexia here. We hear a lot of, you know, phrases that are not appropriate, you know, doing what we do as master IP coaches, like we know those are not appropriate phases. We're like red flag, like, no, no, not going to happen. But um, dyslexia is not something that uh, is uncommon. In fact, you had some statistics to share. Exactly. Yes. So they say that five to 15% of Americans have dyslexia. So that is like 14.5 to 43.5 million children, teens, and adults. So that's a pretty large number of people that have some type of dyslexia. And so we know that dyslexia definitely is a learning disability underneath like specific learning disability. That's usually where you will find it. And of course, if you've got um, a disability and you're able to have an IEP, um, but it does, it makes it difficult to read, write, spell, um, no matter how hard the person tries, right? They're very intelligent. Most people who have dyslexia are intelligent people. We are just having issues with processing what our brain wants us to do. So if you can imagine like a filing cabinet in your brain, and most people's like filing cabinets are all alphabetized, right? All the little papers are nice and neat inside. Well, in our brains, it's all disorganized in there. It's not because we don't, we don't want it to be organized, but it's just, it's a processing where we can't get the files in the right spot where they need to be. So it takes our brain longer to retrieve that information and bring it back to the forefront where we need to get it out. So tell me, uh, you know, there's kind of two, two things that I want to talk about through a master IP coach lens or through the lens of, you know, you as a teacher, uh, as somebody who's been in the field a long time, we kind of have two different categories of parents or teachers who are listening. One is the category of, I know this child has dyslexia and the school system, like, I feel like there's no supports. They're telling me, no, the teachers aren't trained. Um, you know, it's not that they don't want to help, but they don't have the tools to do it. So, so there's the one situation of like, I'm stuck. I know my child has it. And then there's the, oh, I've been thinking that maybe, you know, my child has dyslexia, but I don't know exactly what to do next. So can you address kind of both of those? Like if you already have the diagnosis and if you don't. Sure. So 
what you want to do is if you have dyslexia and, and teachers are, are very much aware of it, but if not, just bring it to the forefront. It's best practice to help people who have dyslexia to use a multi-sensory approach when you're teaching, um, especially if you can get in the early stages. So if you're preschool or kindergarten, you know, most of the time we don't see it until about second or third grade, unfortunately. But if you can see those early signs where kids are struggling to learn their letters and their sounds um, in an upper grade, like prefixes, suffixes, they're having trouble rhyming words, that could be, you know, definitely a caution there. It's not just backwards letters, y'all. It's not just backwards reading backwards sounds. It's all these other things that take place. So if you use a multi-sensory approach, and what I mean by that, like auditory, which is hearing, visual, which is seeing, and kinesthetic, which is touching, um, it can help um, send those things that you need to your brain to wake it up and get it, get the learning going. So tactile letters are so important at home. If you have just styrofoam puzzle pieces, get those out, have your, you know, have your kids trace it with your finger or even big arm motions to make the letters. It makes those connection in your brain because you're moving. Um, you know, older kids pass that stage. You can sing, you can use auditory text that definitely um, helps. You can teach them, you know, how to take notes in a graphic organizer. Those definitely help, you know, as well. And as you get a little bit older, um, you know, other things like putting the text on the TV, like closed caption, even helps for people who doesn't necessarily don't need it, but it helps you read it and put anytime you can put print in front of somebody, you know, it's definitely helpful. So getting those teachers to know about those kind of things, like that's very helpful inside the classroom. And then any type of one-on-one -on -one phonics instruction is really helpful um, too. When you visually see the word so you can read the word and then have them cover it up and have the kids recall the sentence. That's also very important. It helps just trigger that brain to get it working um, using that oral language, right? So that's that's another thing that's huge. Um, using counters for sounds is very helpful as well to just train the sounds that you can hear and then it helps the kids break it up so they can spell it better. Um, so definitely some tools that you can use at home. Um, anything tactile, anything that you can touch, flashcards of course um, are definitely helpful and just putting the sites in front of the kids, um, it is. So that's easy to do if you're a teacher, right? And things that you can do at home. I, I just feel like you could keep going. You're, you're like, you know, like a faucet of, of like, and we could do this and we could do this and we could do, and I love that because a lot of people feel so stuck. They're just like, you know, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't have this specific curriculum right now, or I don't have, um, you know, a certain tool. And I think a lot of it in education, when I've had clients who uh, have their children have dyslexia, there is a lot of trial and error to see kind of what makes that, that connection happen. And then once we figure out what makes that connection, maybe it's the counters for the sounds or it's the big arm movements of, of you know, writing letters and doing those things. It's like, okay, well, like we found how to like unlock that kind of connection that happens. So what do we do? Um, what, what's your first kind of step? Uh, you know, we hear the standard things. We know this as like, okay, if you think your child has a disability or is struggling in school, you know, request an evaluation for an IEP. Totally get it. That's traditional advocacy. 100%, you have to do that. Do you have something specific for us with dyslexia? You know, as we always know that's going to be a process. The schools can't diagnose. They're there for eligibility determination, not an actual diagnosis. So where does a parent go? Where do you recommend first? Outside of the school system? If you Outside of the school system. What kind of person are they looking for? 
if you want to find a tutor, that's great. Or somebody to look for to help you outside to bring it in. Um, if they are trained, there's lots of, of companies or curriculums that say they're they're trained in dyslexia. Orton-Gillingham, of course, is a great one. I'm trained in Orton-Gillingham. Um, so they know the approach to take when they want to tutor and help a child with those. Wilson um, is also a foundation. It's also a great um, resource and curriculum. Their foundations program is also a dyslexia one that we can use outside of the system. But finding somebody that definitely has that background would definitely benefit you. Um, of course, the more practice, the more reading that you do with your child um, is going to benefit them tremendously. Um, even, you know, uh, up the chain in high school or middle school, it's so hard when they get to middle school and high school because the texts aren't as engaging. They need pictures to go along with it and you don't find it as much as in the middle school and the high school to help those situations. But if you can find a tutor that's based um, with dyslexia training behind them, that's going to give you the most benefit um, if you feel like your child is struggling in those areas for sure. You know, I think it's important too for parents to truly understand what we just talked about. There's like, there's all different methods. So there's Wilson, there's Orton Gillingham, there's different people who have been trained different ways. And whether your child has the actual diagnosis of dyslexia or not, they may not have that formal label for a very long time. Maybe that's not going to be the label they get, but those methodologies could still help. You can still explore dyslexia type supports without having the label of dyslexia, correct? Oh, definitely. And you know, one thing that's so great about our society now is you can get online, you can get on YouTube, they have sample lessons there that teachers are doing it. So maybe you can't afford a tutor and you're not at that place right now, or you need a virtual because just the situation that we're at, um, it's out there. Those resources, free resources are definitely out there. And you can also look on your university pages. If you have a local university, they have resources there. A lot of them have speech and language clinics that have um, dyslexia pages that you can go to to get resources. I know where I'm, I am at in Alabama, we have a whole page for dyslexia in Alabama, and there's lots of resources there for parents and teachers um, to just pull from. So that way you can get ideas to use in your classroom or at home. Oh my God, there she went again. Did you get like all the resources just pouring out? I love it. Um, I will make sure that some of those links and some of those recommendations are in the show notes here. Can you tell us, Meredith, a little bit about who do you love to help as a master IP coach? So this way, if that person happens to be listening, they're going to be like, yes, I want to work with Meredith. So who do you love to help as a master IP coach? It's so fun to, I love to mentor and help teachers. That's really where my passion is right now. Um, I do help parents who have struggling, you know, students and need me to review their IEPs or things like that. I, I do love that. I, but my, my true heart is in helping teachers. Um, so that way they can have a fresh look on an IEP or just a fresh training to help them understand the IEP process and who have children that maybe are struggling and they're not as you know affluent in dyslexia or other types of learning disabilities and trying to help them and train them. So that way then they do have a child with special needs, they're able to write the best IEP that they can. And that's really what my passion is um, going forward with all of this master IEP coach for sure. I love it. So remember, if you are thinking about becoming a master IEP coach, again, if you are a parent, teacher, admin, or therapist who wants to change IEPs for yourself and you want to help others, head on over to masteriepcoach.com and you can get further information there. If you're a teacher who's feeling stuck and you're like, I just need that fresh look. I need that support. I need somebody outside of my own district to help me because, you know, working outside of your district and getting that support on the outside sometimes feels a little bit better um, to do that. 
So make sure that you reach out directly to Meredith for that. And again, if you guys would like to join us in continuing this conversation inside of the special education inner circle, please head over to specialedinnercircle.com and we'll continue our VIP conversation. All right, Meredith, thank you for being here today. Welcome. This was fantastic. I hope I was able to kind of bring a light to those of you to learn a little bit more about dyslexia and just know that even though children have learning disabilities or types of dyslexia, we can still go on to do just amazing things, right? 100%. I love that. Just remember everyone, she was struggling with reading. Her mom was her advocate. She has come to be a leader in special education. And I know sometimes as a parent and even as a teacher, we feel frustrated. We're like, we don't know how we can help and we don't know how we're gonna help you know, this child reach their potential. And Meredith, I just wanna thank you for sharing your story and showing us where you came from in struggles and where you're at now, it's amazing. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you.